Yeah, let it rain. Amen. Amen. Welcome to Trivine Worship Center. We're glad that you're here. How many received week gifts last this week, this past week? My goodness. And how many are still expecting gifts? Yeah? I mean, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Tell you, as we were singing that song and talking about the favor of God and all good things that are happening, it's just, it's just amazing to me because as we're coming in and we're, we're setting the atmosphere and we're preparing for this corporate worship together, that we become in that one mind, the mind of Christ that Josh has been ministering to so graciously and so effectively the last few weeks. As we are entering into that, that um, one mindness, I believe when we're there in that place that we are preparing for and that we are entering in right now, that God can do things exceedingly abundantly above anything that we've asked or thought. Amen. And I believe that he is going to show this morning in our worship, I believe that he can show you visions, that he can give you dreams, even in our worship, that he can do something special, that he can heal bodies, he can do the miraculous in worship. Anybody believe that? I can tell you he can do that because he's done it for me. Amen. I can tell you that's exactly what God does. So as we worship this morning, in that expectancy, let's just receive what God has for us. Amen. God bless you.
Sometimes whenever, if you've ever been to a, a baptism, typically here at this church, we go somewhere like Lenny's Mill. And uh, I can say, I don't know if the water is necessarily wild there, but it's certainly cold. It's certainly cold. <laughs> but what I, I guess what I mean is, you know, it doesn't look a lot of times like, um, like it's, when I think of water is wild, I think of rapids and, you know, crazy things like that but when we go there we find an area that's kind of a, a pool but what you don't see is like what this song says when you go down to that water a change happens because when you come back up something is different inside you and that's what it says I feel it down on the inside and sometimes whenever you are looking for those promises or God or you're looking for something to take place in your life that you haven't had happen before, but you're believing for it, sometimes you just have to get to that point where you will immerse yourself in the presence of God and know that all of that is being washed away and all of the things that are changing is inside it doesn't necessarily mean your circumstance might change, but the whole way that you see things and your perspective about the way things look definitely changes when you have that faith and that confidence and that belief in God's integrity and what He will do and what you've seen Him do. And you know, sometimes I think that we get to the point where we're like, you know, I need this for, for me, and you pray about it, and, you're, and maybe you've never had God do something like that before for you. But he's done it for somebody else. And if he'll do it for them, why not you? And you just have to get to that place in yourself where you believe that it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside because on the inside, there's a change happening. So worship with us today. There's honey in the rock, 
water in the stone, manna on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know everything I need you've got is honey in the rock.
is to trust in Jesus. Oh, how sweet it is to trust in Jesus. I like the part where it says, I keep looking and I keep finding. You can find God in any situation if you just look. And I know he's coming through. And, you know, he, I got an unexpected gift this week as well. But God always does exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or even think. So I'm expecting more. I don't know what it is. I don't know how it's coming. But I, as long as I know that God is sending it, it's all right with me. Because before I had a problem, I had a promise. And even if I mess up in the problem, I still got a promise. Because God is not a man that he should lie. And his word will not come back to him void. So I can run to the Father with every situation, everything that is bothering me. Because I know that I have a promise. Worship with us.
wasn't holding you up So there's nothing I can do to let you down Doesn't take a trophy to make you proud I'll never be more loved than I am right now
That's his name, Jehovah Jireh. That means God, our provider. If he's your provider, if he's been your provider, why don't we lift up our voices and lift up our hands and bless him in this place this morning. You know I'm going to make you do it better than that. Come on, somebody. Lift up a high praise in this place. Let's fill this sanctuary with the sound of praise. Let's fill this sanctuary with the fragrance of worship. Come on, somebody. Fill this place with the sound of thanksgiving. We give you praise and glory and honor, Lord Jesus. You are the one that he was and is and is to come. You are. To you is all glory and all power, all dominion and all might. We give you all the thanks, all the praise, all the glory. Thank you for providing. Thank you for being a way when there seemed to be no way. Thank you for providing rivers in the desert. Thank you for... I thank you that when they said it is impossible, you said nothing's impossible. I thank you that when they said it is dead, you said, I am the resurrection and the life. I thank you that when they said it is sick and it will not get well, you said, by your stripes we are healed. I thank you, Lord, that no matter what the facts might say, the truth is that we are redeemed. The truth is that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The truth is that we are more than conquerors. We thank you for that, Jesus. I will be content like the part that says more than you ask think or imagine according to the power that works in us he's more than enough come on bless Jesus in this place thank you praise team thank you amen you can be seated well how's everybody doing this morning don't shout me down my goodness Five people doing well. How's everybody else doing this morning? Hopefully before the end of this thing, you'll be doing a lot better than that. How's everybody doing this morning? You look good. Turn to the person, not you. Turn to the person, nice kid. Turn to the person beside you and say, man, you look good today. There is a scriptural precedence for this. It is calling things that be not as though they were. Turn to the person beside you and say, you look good today. <laughs> no, you look good. The glory of God shines on your face, and when His countenance shines upon your countenance, you look good because you're a reflection of Him. And everything that is Him and that He consists of is always good, always and only good. So, uh, thanks for coming this morning. We do have a few things to do. We'll go ahead and receive this morning's tithe and offering, and then we're going to move into the next part of the service for our graduates. Lord, we thank you now for the opportunity, and we do consider it an opportunity to give. Lord, we're not afraid of a curse. Uh, we're not going to be manipulated to give. You will never hear me beat people up to give. We give because we know one thing, that it's not a debt that we owe, but it's a seed we sow. And we know that good seed 
sown into good soil will always bring forth good fruit. And I bless everybody in this place abundantly as you will bless them also in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on up to the front and place your gift there in the basket. If you want to give online, you can go to truevinestates.org and give. You can text the amount you would want to give to 84321 or go to twcchurchcenter.com slash giving. You can give that way. You can give one time. You can actually set up recurring gifts if you'd like to do it that way. Um, we would greatly appreciate it. Well, God is good. I think about it. <laughs> and all the time. I will say, I'm going to write it right here. I'm going to engrave it right here. God is good. And all the time. We say it not just as a cliche, but the more you say it, the more your mind hears it. And the more your mind hears it, the more you repeat it. And the more you repeat it, the more you believe it. And I'm going to repeat it until you believe it because we've been taught so much garbage about God that some of us don't really know that he's always only good uh, but when we convince ourselves and that's really the issue when we become aware of what is already ours aware of his goodness of the goodness that is always toward us uh, then we can live in freedom and true identity so uh, come on up to the front let's put our hands together and welcome my mother Barbara Bunton Okay, David, you got the video ready? We, we're going to honor our graduates this morning, our high school graduates. Brit, Craig, ready or not? Yeah. Let's go. I tried to cover my shine. Source of all my hope and it's the reason why I stand. Eh, 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 eh. 
I pledge allegiance to being somebody real. There's no more holding it back. I'm showing them how I feel. Cause love is more than a word. It's a noun and a verb. And highness is heard. You heard? Keep me in the 
Wow. All right. So now, wow, that was awesome. Um, we're going to ask them, to the, our graduates, to come up here for just a few minutes, and we're going to um, give them this little card that we have for them and talk a little bit about them and then uh, pray for them. So, Abby, if you'll come up, sweetheart. Let's give her a hand. Yep, just stay up here. So all of you know, Abby's on our worship team and uh, has been for quite a few years now. But she's been singing since she was real little. And we all know that um, God has had his hand upon you since you were in your mom's womb. And um, the love of your dad's life. And your grandma's too. And we're very, very proud of you. And we're excited to see what God has in store for you. Because this, my dear, is just the beginning. Miss Sarah. Beautiful, beautiful Sarah. And we all get to experience all of her talents and her anointings and her giftings. And we claim you back here every Sunday that you're in town after you leave. Um, nowhere else you can't go. You know, we, we've got claim on you. But um, thank you for sharing your awesome gifts with us. Aren't we blessed, church? Again, God has his hand on you and always has. And we're excited to see what God holds in the future for you. And, uh, you know, once you're family, you're always family. So just, just continue to remember that, okay? And then Tan, we've had the privilege of getting to know Tan this year. Hey, buddy, congratulations. We're proud of you. Bless his heart. He has to go back and then do his senior year over. But um, he's an exchange student that has been living with Ralph and Colleen. And we're so thankful that um, God brought you this way, Tan. And he's going back Tuesday, right? Flying home on Tuesday. So this is his last Sunday with us. And we just believe that all the seeds that God has planted into you will blossom and just grow. And if you're ever back in the U.S., please come back. When you come back, please come and visit us, okay? We love you. We'll always be praying for you. And again, once you're family, you're always family. Amen. And this last gentleman actually did not graduate this year, but we still want to honor him because he is an exchange student. He's also going back, and he's become part of our family. So, Gonzalo, and I think that's the first time ever I've gotten his name right. <laughs> Usually just call him handsome. Bless you, buddy. And again, it's been a, a real privilege to uh, have these guys here. And um, just like I said to Tan, what God has done in you will only just grow from here forth. And you may not even realize all the seeds that were planted, but um, they definitely were. And we will always be in our hearts and in our, in our thoughts and in our prayers. And again, come back when you can. We love you. Yep, now we just want to commission you guys. Let's all stand. Let's all stand real quick. Father, we thank you for these graduates. What an unbelievable accomplishment that they've had. 
uh, to finally get to this point, which I remember just a few years ago when I went through this, thinking that this was had taken so long, and I realized looking back now that it was just gone in a blink and not even just the start and the beginning. So, Father, as Gonzalo and Tan go back home, as Sarah in a few months goes up to New York, as Abby goes and does the things you've called her to do, I just bless them. I declare that angels go before them. We already know that goodness and mercy will follow them. The Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. I thank you that you have already ordered their steps. You've placed your order and it will be fulfilled and you will cause them to walk where they've, uh, where, where they've already been predestined and ordained to walk. I bless them with glory. I bless them with anointing. I bless them with your love. Thank you for having them as a part of our body for the time that they've been here and we send them forth with your anointing and with your blessing in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you graduates 2022. I told Tan and Gonzalo a few months ago we gave new cars to all of our graduates. You should have seen their eyes. I was this close, this close to going to the Dollar General and grabbing a couple of those little cars this morning. <laughs> Probably should do that. All right, Children's Church and Nursery, you can go on back to the back. Let's see what we can do here. Well, we got camp coming up next week. How many of you guys are excited for camp next week? Parents, you should have been as excited as the kids. You're going to be rid of them for three days. Yeah, that's going to be a good time. Looking forward to going back and seeing our friends up there in Berkeley Springs. We've not seen them in three years, or we've not been there with them in three years. So looking forward to that. It's going to be a good time. Uh, Today, uh, for the next just few minutes, and when I say few minutes, I literally don't even know what that means. Uh, There's no predetermined time. Um, but I really don't want to keep you all day. I know you've got things you want to do. Uh, but I want to continue um, and maybe even go a little further with where we've been talking, with the exception of last week. I do want to pause for one second, and I want to say thank you for those that were able to come last Sunday. If you weren't able to come, no problem, no condemnation. But I said last Sunday morning, does anybody remember, I said that the Lord is going to be giving gifts. That's what he spoke to me. That night, that, if you were here that night, uh, Agape Faith Church came up and they celebrated us buying the church and, and un- very un- unbeknownst to any of us the senior pastor says oh and by the way we're going to make the mortgage payment for you for July so don't even worry about it right that's an unexpected gift that was big if it was for your house you'd probably be shouting God a, bit, a little bit better than that but <laughs> God will take care of it not that we couldn't but it was just amazing and an unexpected thing that they felt compelled to say hey God said we're going to sow seed because we believe in what's happening in Statesville so we're going to cover the mortgage on Truvine for, for July so thank you Jesus for that isn't that a great thing how many people else in this place received some sort of unexpected blessing within the last week you didn't see it coming you don't have to patronize but yeah a lot of people a lot of people don't, don't forget to give God thanks for that because as you give him thanks, uh, then you're replenishing uh, back into your sowing thanks. And when you sow thanks, guess what? New fruit comes back. So there's, there's scripture says when God planted all the plants, he said whose seed is in itself. And when you get a blessing, there's a seed for your next blessing and the one you already got. And the way that you sow that seed is by saying, thank you for giving me this. That's the way that you re-sow the seed of a blessing. So Father, we say thank you for the mortgage payment that was made for us on our behalf in July. Thank you for the many blessings of all the hands that went up. And uh, we just decree and declare and believe for more. So, but I do want to talk about the mind of Christ. And I'm subtitled today's, uh, let's just call it today's talk. 
because I'm going to talk a little bit. I probably will get a little preachy. Uh, I just can't help it sometimes. It's in my DNA. Um, because you have, you have explainers and you have proclaimers. Most of the time, the Lord uses me up here as, as, an, as a proclaimer, but I want to explain some things. And so when you teach, you explain, and when you preach, you proclaim. And there is a difference. <clears throat> but I, I'm definitely going to start out teaching. I think we're going to roll over into preaching a little bit. So you might even get excited about the end of the service. Who knows? Who knows? I hope you drink your bangs and your uh, seltzer waters and everything else, whatever it is that you drink. You drink coffee? Oh, you said, I thought that was my mom. I'm like, she don't drink coffee. She drinks highly caffeinated hot chocolate. In our series over the last several weeks regarding the mind of Christ, we have explored exactly what is the mind of Christ, how we are to cultivate our minds because the, the guard, the, our mind is the guard of our lives, and how in his mind there is no darkness at all. Remember we talked about in him there is no darkness at all. Uh, I've stated and emphatically I believe that paramount to our becoming like Christ is not just being filled with his spirit, but being ground and, and being grown up with his mind. If we are filled with his spirit, but we don't have his mind, then we're like a double-minded man, which is unstable in all his ways. And the scripture says, let not that man believe that he should receive anything of the Lord. Saved? Yep. Going to heaven? Yep. Filled with his spirit? Very possibly. Still possible, possible to be double-minded? Absolutely. So if you see people that are living in the kingdom and walking in the kingdom and they've been saved and they, and, they, and they try to do the right things or whatever and you still see them walk in defeat or not the fulfillment of what God gave for them, there's a really good chance that they haven't grown up into the mind of Christ. They have His Spirit, but they don't always have, and He gives direction, but they don't always have the processor, the mind, um, to be able to process the things that they hear in their heart. <clears throat> And it's not because God doesn't want to give the good things. The scripture is, is clear that all good and perfect gifts comes from the Father of lights in whom there is neither variance nor shadow of turning. That's James 1-2. Really, James would be better called Jacob. Um, Jesus' brother Jacob. Uh, but anyways, if you've got the heart of Jesus and the mind of Adam, you'll desire righteousness, but your mind will talk you out of it. I'm going to read that again. That was good. Whew, I like that preacher. If you've got the heart of Jesus but the mind of Adam, you will desire righteousness, but your mind will talk you out of it. Your heart will hunger for reconciliation, but your mind will tell you that you are unworthy. How many blessings, how many miracles have we missed out on because our heart was hungry after God, but our mind had convinced us that we are unworthy of that goodness? I want to say that, that's a power-packed statement because so many of us desperately long for and desperately need God to move, but because we have been taught wrong and because we don't have the mind of Christ, we have told ourselves, but you don't deserve for God to do that for you. And I can't tell you how many times Joshua has taught himself out of a, probably a great, possibly life-changing, paramount blessing because although I desired it and although I needed it, and by the way, the Father desired it for me, I talked myself out of it, but you, but you know what you did last night. And you know what you did last week, and you don't deserve. And every time that you do that, what you're doing is partaking of the tree, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and every time you eat of that fruit, death comes. Only two trees in the garden. There's more, only two trees by name mentioned in the garden. One is the tree of life, 
And I believe the tree of life is the mind of Christ and the, and, the, and the human being filled with His Spirit. And then the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is a works program that says if I do good, I get good, and if I do bad, I get bad. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge of good will kill you just as fast as the knowledge of evil. Let me try to stay in the teaching mode. I don't want to preach just yet. Today in discovering and learning about the mind of Christ, I want to declare to you that you will become like what you behold. And this is where I want to get down and talk to. This is not just scriptural. This has been proved throughout the generations. You will always become like what you behold. How many, how many, how many dads ever take your boy fishing? You really love fishing. That's your thing. You took, he's probably at the coast right now fishing. Why? Because he watched you do it as a child. My dad was a painter. Among many other things. He was a painter. Abby was painting last week at, her, at the gym where she's, where she's working. And uh, she said, I'm pretty good at it. I'm like, I'm real good at it. I said, well, it runs in the blood. I guess you should be. You know, I watched my dad paint, so I became a pretty good painter. You know, you become like what you behold. Have you ever seen little uh, angry children that don't know how to communicate and don't know how to talk and don't know how to express themselves because they're never given that opportunity because parents dominate them? Instead of being good stewards over their lives? I'll tell on myself because I don't want to feel like I'm attacking. Jacob was in the bathtub as a little boy. He must have been two or three. And I don't remember the circumstances, what was happening. I just remember he was pitching a fit, which wasn't common for him. He was a very low-key kid. He was one of the easiest children that we had to raise. But at this particular juncture in his life, he was pitching a fit. And I had had all I could have. And I go into the bath. I stormed into the bathroom. And just as I got to grab him up to, you know, put him in this place, the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He said, do not dominate him. You don't own him. You're a steward of him. Oh, man, it changed my, it totally changed my perspective about how you're supposed to parent. I mean, I was, I was a new parent. I was a new dad. I didn't know. And, and my dad, who was a wonderful dad, was a very much an authoritarian, especially in disciplinarian when we were young. You know, the answer to everything was just beat it out of him. I don't mean that as negative towards him. He said many years later, the one regret he had as a father is he wished he had taught us to honor his word versus fear his hand. Said it many times. But he didn't know either because his parents were alcoholics. Bad, and I don't mean they had a beer in I mean, they, were, they, were, they would get so wasted that they would abuse him with a belt and beat him. So he never learned how to be a dad. And so he had to kind of learn on us. And I learned through that. And I was going to, and, and the father, I'll never, do not dominate him. You don't own him. You're a steward of his life. I have entrusted him to you. Whoa, man, it took me back. Like, okay, I got you. You become like what you behold. Everybody Okay. Trying to connect. You have heard me often say that we are image bearers, and the truth is we were created to bear the image of the Creator. Let us make man in our image. That's what God said. And God said, let us make man in our image. So innately, a part of your identity is that of an image bearer, and you are bearing the image of something. When, but when we turn from our Creator, our identity as image bearers does not change. But the image that we bear will be reflective of that which we behold. Greg Bill says this, God has made humans to reflect Him, but if they do not commit themselves to Him, they, will re they won't reflect Him, but they will reflect something else. We either reflect the Creator or we reflect something in creation. In other words, it's, it's in our nature to bear the image of something. If not God, then idols. If not creator, then creation. 
And this is exactly what we see in the, throughout the story of humanity. In the Old Testament, God's people re- repeatedly return to idols. You remember this, right? I, next week I'm going to preach. I'm, I'm not actually preaching next week, but next week, the, week I'm, the next week I'm back, I'm going to preach on seven ways to a free condo in the Bahamas. More of you shouted over that than over the mind of Christ. That wasn't funny either. Not connecting at all, Josh. Throughout the Old Testament, God's people repeatedly turned to idols, and the biblical writers show them becoming like their idols. When Israel bows down to the golden calf on Mount Sinai, God called them stiff-necked. That's Ezekiel 32.9. Like a stubborn cow. In Isaiah 6.10, God cursed his people with a sensory dullness that mirrors their idols. And he said, make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes. In 2 Kings 17.15, it explains the exile by saying of Israel, they went after false gods and became false. What a precedence. You see it starting to build. Our worship of money makes us greedy and stingy. Our worship of power makes us harsh and demanding. Our worship of approval makes us anxious and fearful. Our worship of success makes us busy yet restless. The more we avert our gaze from the true God and chase these idols, the more unlike God we become. It's an absolute truth that we will be conformed to the image which holds our gaze. What I mean is we become like what we behold. That's why I emphasize the second teaching of this series was this. We must cultivate the garden of our mind. You remember that? You must, the mind, you have to see it like a garden. Whatever you sow into your garden, you will reap it. It always will reproduce after its own kind. And it doesn't matter if you put an apple seed in good ground and it comes up. Guess what? You ain't getting oranges. Even if it wants to identify as an orange tree, it's an apple tree. Because, uh, The seed names the fruit. The seed will always name the fruit. So if you have an apple seed, you're going to get apple fruit. If you have an orange seed, you're going to get orange fruit. If you've got God's seed, you're going to get God fruit. If you've got good seed, you're going to get good fruit. Trying to make points. And the Lord uses natural things to teach us spiritual principles. But we don't, we don't have a renewed mind, so we don't know. We just sort of aimlessly, aimlessly wander through life. We have a heart for God, and we love God, and we feel His presence, but we don't know how to operate and move in the kingdom. And by the way, all of the church is in the kingdom, but not all of the kingdom is in the church. What does that mean? That means everything that you do in the kingdom of God cannot be maintained within the four walls of what we call church. But everything that the church is for is to produce citizens of a kingdom. The church is in the kingdom, but the kingdom is not necessarily contained within the church. It's absolutely true that we will be conformed to the image which holds our gaze. We become like what we behold. Every action that has ever been taken Every action by every person that has ever been taken began as a thought. Good, bad, and ugly. What was it that said? um, I I think he said thoughts are like birds. You're talking about about the the bad thoughts that come, the temptations that come. Temptations and bad thoughts are like birds. They, they, They can come and land there, but for God's sake, if they land on your mind, don't let them build a nest there. 
They come to all of us. All of us will have the, 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 the passing thought or the fading thought of I'm not good or this should happen or that should happen or even, God forbid, if you look at something or see something that, uh, that, that, that causes a reaction from you, negative or whatever. It's, that, all, that happens to everybody. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way just like we are, yet without sin. The sin is not that the thought comes. The sin is if you let it build a nest up there. And remember, this, not the symptom of sin. The symptom of sin is the stuff that most people call sin. Sin is taking any identity that is beneath, other than, or less than who God says that you are. And God says that you are his image bearers, that you are his sons, and that you are his daughters. And anything other than or less than that is completely and utterly a false idol, and it is sin. It's imperative to guard and watch over what we allow to enter the garden of our minds because the mind is not only a garden, but it is a reflection of all of the input that we have fed it. Now, how many of you over the last two years have argued, and I don't want to know which side, I don't care, have argued for or against, say, masks, or for or against vaccination, or for or against whatever? And I'm just bringing those things up because, and I don't want you to answer because the last thing we need is to get into a, a fight. That's not the point of it. The point of it is most people are going to argue the side of whichever news cycle they watch that put that stuff in their brain. It's true. And we have a bias to one side or the other. And, and the whole idea is all of us should probably step out of the box and look and say, wait a minute, this is nothing but dividing. The same, the same company that owns this side of the news owns this side of the news. And how could the same company own it and this guy says one thing and this guy says compl something completely opposite? Because the purpose has never been about giving you information. The purpose is, is causing division. And if the enemy can divide the body, the enemy can conquer the body. But we can't be divided. We can't be divided. We will, we will refuse to be divided. What we have, is what, the, what they call that is confirmation bias. And what we want to do is, it, we do the same thing in church. We want to hear something that we can say amen to that we think that we already know instead of being challenged to something that may not always fit in our, in our perception or in our, our, our little theological or little socioeconomic or, or geopolitical boxes. And, and, and if we're going to truly grow up and be citizens of a kingdom that influence culture, we cannot just always seek to amen what we think we already know. There's no growth in that. We've got to be challenged. I, I, I want to be challenged. One of the greatest things that happened with me, and I think he would admit it, is when, when all that stuff started first coming out, Cam uh, Williams and I started, worked out of my gym together, and he would hear things, and I would hear things, and we would bounce these things off. Well, let me show you this perspective, and let me show you this perspective. There was never any animosity. It was, oh, that makes sense. I, I like that. I like that. That makes sense to me. And if the kingdom of God is going to increase, then we've got to be able to say, maybe I don't know it all. Maybe I don't have it all figured out. And maybe if I learn to, to listen as twice as much as I talk since I have two ears and one mouth, maybe then I can learn and become someone that is a valuable citizen and that, that brings input to culture instead of being influenced by culture. The way that Paul says it was, be not conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How? Well, you know it. By the renewing, the making new again of your mind. The enemy knows this, that, that our mind is a reflection of all of the input that we have fed it. And that's why today's television and music and video games and apps are full of images that we should never see and never have heard. How many grotesque, disgusting things have you seen? You can open up your phone app now. I can open up my uh, TikTok or Snap, whatever. The, I don't do Snap a whole lot, but uh, Instagram or something. There will be stuff that I don't even get, that, that I don't even want to see, but it's there. 
And the creators of these apps know those things. And it's there, and it becomes an image, and it's burning your mind. And if you feed yourself that constantly, 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 you are going to reflect what you feed yourself. It's just the way, it's the, way the mind works. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm not suggesting you throw away your television. We have them. We've got radios. None of that stuff. But if you constantly are feeding yourself those things, your actions will reflect what you have fed your mind. As the old saying goes, you are what you eat. Or better yet, you, are, you become what you consume. And if you're, Elizabeth and I, this was many years ago, you know, but it was really more me. She had just gotten her feel of it really early on. We would watch, you know, at at the end of the night, we'd watch certain news cycles and stuff. And and I did like to compare, but I I had my favorite. Until one day the Lord said, all you're doing is you're getting angrier and angrier and angrier. Why don't you turn that mess off and let me be your news source? And I haven't watched it in three years. I don't watch it. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to let my mind be manipulated by people that don't know me, that don't have my best interest, that are not representative of the kingdom of God, that are not, that are not Christ-like. I'm not going to let them have input. I want to have input to them. They're not going to have it in me. My mind and your mind is too precious and too valuable to sit there and be a sponge for stuff that is not originating from the kingdom of God, period. And that means we're going to have to discipline ourselves to say, okay, Okay, if I'm feeding myself garbage all day, all day, all day, all day, what in the world do you think you're going to produce? Garbage in, garbage out. That's common sense 101. You feed yourself garbage and you feed yourself that, you're going to reflect what you put in your brain, period, in your mind. And that's what the church has done. Great hearts, love people, want to do good, but don't have the, the process to do it because you feed yourself so much junk, so you find yourself in this constant turmoil, this tension between knowing what's right, but not, and Paul said it, he said, he, the things that I wish that I didn't do, I find myself doing, and the things that I don't want, to, or the things that I want to do, I don't always do them. What, of oh, this wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this, the body of this flesh? But thanks, he didn't leave it there, but thanks be unto God, who's given us a way of escape, who's given us a means. And the means is not just having the Spirit of God, but growing up in the mind of Christ. Seeing as God sees, hearing as he hears, speaking as he speaks. And it does take discipline. You watch a certain television show or certain whatever for so many years, and then you're told to stop cold turkey. See how that works out for you, because it wasn't easy for me. But the the more I turn that stuff off and, and turn my attention to reality, You'd be a whole lot better to go put your feet in the creek and just sit there than to listen to CNN or Fox or any of the other nonsense poured into your brain 24-7 because all they're going to do is spew garbage. That's all it is. It's just garbage, 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 garbage. I ho- I, and if that's your favorite channel, whatever. I love you. God loves you. No condemnation. But don't expect to be a fruitful citizen of the kingdom when you care more about what CNN says or what Fox says than what this says, the Scripture, what the Bible says, what the Word says, and what the Word speaks. <clears throat> We become like what we worship. That's how God created us in his image. As we draw close to him and fix our gaze upon him and his goodness and his nature, then we become more like him. Think about this. Think about this. How long were Adam and Eve in the garden before they partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? We don't know. Here's what we do know. They were only clothed after that, but they didn't know about their nakedness. How did they not know they were naked? For two reasons. One, they never believed the enemy's lie. And two, they weren't looking at themselves. Their gaze was fixed on him. They couldn't see theirs or anybody else's nakedness because their focus, the sole purpose for their being was him. And the moment that they begin to look inward and they turn and, and begin, to, begin to look inside for what was already there and begin to take their focus and their gaze off of him and listen to any other voice but his. We always think Antichrist, or at least a lot of people, we think Antichrist is going to be this guy that raises up overseas and does it. No, that's not Antichrist. Antichrist is any spirit other than or opposed to Christ. 
And the scripture, New Testament, is emphatic. The spirit of Antichrist is already at work. And we're waiting for, there was literally guys that used to preach. Remember, remember Miguel Gorbachev because he had this birthmark on his head? That's the mark of the beast. This stupid people. I'm sorry, did I say, oh my God, stupid things. Literally preached, had conferences with hundreds of people raking in tens of thousands of dollars, telling people, Miguel Gorbachev is the Antichrist because he had a birthmark on his head. Ignorance gone to seed. Have a beautiful heart, but the mind of a pigeon. Bless their darling heart and ignorant minds. <laughs> one of Elizabeth's favorite sayings. We heard it years ago and it stuck. You can imagine. As we draw close to him and fix our gaze on him and him alone, his goodness, his nature, then we become more like him. As we become more like him, then the fruit of our lives matches the fruit of the kingdom. And Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. But if the ministry of death, he's, he's, he's bringing contrast to the old new covenant. And old new covenant is, think of, think of just not old new covenant, think of that, but think of the old world, think of the new world. Think of the old earth and the old heaven passing away, and the new earth and the new heaven and the new covenant. Think, you've got to think things in a different way. You've got to see things from a different perspective. If the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, we're talking about the tablets of stone that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if that or sorry, for if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded. Their minds were blinded. Talking about the mind. Their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and when the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, listen, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. I'm going to say it again. I don't want you to miss it. We... Uh, as, as with unveiled, unveiled face, as we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image. So as we behold the glory, which the Bible says the glory of God is found in the face of Jesus Christ, as our face is unveiled so we know our true identity, and he, His face is unveiled so we see His true identity, then the glory that shines from His face will begin to reflect from our faces, and so His glory becomes a glory that we release into the earth just as by the spirit of the Lord this is the way Eugene Peterson said it and I'm going to read it this way too because I like it and for a lot of us in 2022 this makes a little bit more sense than the old than the old English who whenever though they turn to face God as Moses did God removes the veil and there they are face to face 
They suddenly recognize, as they see him face to face, they suddenly recognize that God is a living, personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, the old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We are free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God. Our faces shining with the brightness of His face. And so we are transfigured, much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter, brighter and more beautiful as God enters in our lives and we become like Him. Isn't that amazing? The more that we spend time with Him, the more that we learn about who He really is, the more that we see His nature, the more that He is unveiled. That's what the revelation of Jesus Christ is about. The last book of your Bible is not the apocalypse. It's not worlds coming to an end and fire and, and some people get sucked out, some people get lifted back and all hell breaks loose. No, it is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to John, that's actually what the book is about. It's about the unveiling of Christ. And as he is truly unveiled and we see him for who he is, then we, become, we begin to reflect him and because we are image bearers. And as we reflect him, guess what? Then his nature is, is born into the earth. First John 1 John 1.3, what marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We are called the children of God. This is identity. That's who we really are, but that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously. Because it has no idea who he is or what he is up to. But friends, that's exactly who we are. The ch this is John, by the way. This is the same John that wrote the Saint John. The, John the Beloved. You know, the youngest of the disciples. The youngest of the apostles. The one that, that Jesus said, what's it to you if he, if he tarries till I come back? What if I don't want John to die? We know that ultimately he did, and yet he didn't because though the, the, they that believe in me, though they were dead, yet shall they live. This is this John. He knew Jesus. He was his best friend. But, but friends, this is exactly who we are. We're children of God. And that's, excuse me, only the beginning. Who knows how we'll end up? What we know is that when Christ is openly revealed, we will see him, and in seeing him, become like him. That's good. I, I know how many of you heard it, because it's the way that a lot of us were taught it. One day, God is going to split the Eastern... And let's not argue eschatology. Just bear with me, and give me a few minutes to talk about this. Here's what most of them taught. One day, Jesus is going to step out on a cloud in the Eastern sky, and, and when he does, everybody in the world is going to see him, and when everybody sees him, boom, then we get changed to become like him. And so the same thing that we've done with, instead of making our home like heaven, we want to make our heaven our home, we put everything off into the future. We've done that with this scripture as well. One day in the sweet by and by, Jesus will step out on a cloud and we'll see him, then we change. No, no, no. It's as we see him as he truly is, as he is unveiled to us, and we see him as he truly is, then we are made like him because you will always produce or reproduce the image that you behold. And so if the more that we see him as he is, the more that we understand his nature, the more that we know he's good, he's only good, he's always good, the more that we understand that he is love, and the more that we understand that his holiness is not in contrast to his goodness, his goodness and his, and his holiness are married one to another. It's, there's no contrast there. He's holy because he's good. Well, I know about the love of God, but, but what about the judgments of God? Judgment is a place of turning. Jesus took your judgment on the cross. He, uh, he died for you and as you, and he rose for you and as you. You might want to read the little thing called the New Testament. Paul's pretty clear about all this. 
The truth of it is we don't know who we are. And because we don't know who we are, we float through life. We have good intentions. We, we, we hope to get by, but we really are not impacting culture because, we're, because we don't have the mind of Christ. And what little bit we have is so immature that we're, and we're so turned inward that we're not gazing upon him. I'm not trying to sound judgmental. I really am trying to help. We become like what we behold. That's why a lot of preachers get angry and bitter because they believe that God is angry and bitter. You ever heard him? I don't, I have no problem. You don't, but I have a mandate to call this nonsense out. I have a mandate to attack religious systems that kill God's people. I don't do this because, you know, I'm getting paid or I'm getting brownie points of God. No, it's when the Lord, the Lord gives me a mandate, Joshua, you are to go out there. It is non-negotiable. You are to attack the systems of religion. Jesus did it. They had the same thing going on in the temple, and Jesus saw it, and he turns their tables over. Get this mess out of here. Quit trying to sell, quit trying to, quit trying to sell sacrifice. Quit trying to sell this nonsense. And that's my job to do it. How many times have you seen them? They get up and, and it, it, you hear, I heard one last, I, I was watching a video. I don't want to call his, I don't remember what his name was, thank God. And he just sounded, it was vitriolic and hateful. Nothing about, there was no redemption at all. It's just attack, attack, attack. And I said, well, he don't sound anything like Jesus. He sounds like Barabbas. Barabbas, who, who hated Rome, who hated the empire, but he wanted to attack the empire. You better be careful who you watch. I was invited to go down to a conference with this guy in two weeks. I said, not a chance. If I come to this conference, I'm going to cast the devil out of him because he needs it cast out. I don't care how big his following is. I don't care how big his church is in Tennessee or anything else. He sounds like his father. And his father, uh, and his works you will do. That's what Jesus said. If you're listening to preachers that are always talking about, we got to attack and we've got to arm up, we've got to blah, 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 you might be careful because that sounds like the spirit of Barabbas. It does not sound like the spirit of Jesus. I didn't make any trends right there. But thank you for the two, that's right. Blow kisses at me. Let me know you still love me now. Clarice used to say, blow kisses. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. I don't mind doing it because I know I've got a mandate. If it does not reflect the nature of Jesus, if it does not reflect the heart of the Father, you better be careful what you're putting in your brain. Because you'll, you'll be declaring stuff and saying stuff and possibly spewing poison thinking that you're doing people a service. <laughs> reprobate, 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 twice dead and plucked up by the roots. And, but, you know, you got a big church. Everybody wave at me. Just say, man, we love you, dude. <laughs> Thanks, Rich. So it's imperative that we understand who God really is, what his true nature is, and what it is not. Oh, I, I should, I, let me back up. I said because they believe God is angry and bitter, he's not. It's simply a projection of their own broken identity. That's where I come in, and I've sat with some of them. A lot older men than I am. There's a, plenty of them. Plenty of y'all here today. A lot older than me. It's a joke. God. Rough crowd. My goodness. But I've sat with someone who's like, look, man, are you, are you presenting the love of God, the nature of Jesus? Because if not, God's giving you a platform, man. Most of what it is, it's an insecurity, and it's a projection on God because of a, 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 something that happened that's traumatic in their past, and they've not gotten over it, and they're insecure men projecting upon God. Really what they want is they want to get even with whatever life did to them. And so they do it through preaching, and it's vitriolic, and it's poisonous, and they don't know it. They're preaching from a place of broken identity, and they don't know it. And when you preach from a place of broken identity, guess what? You're giving everybody else the power to have a broken identity. Having good hearts, 
Can I be clear? Having good hearts, minds of a pigeon, not the mind of Christ. And when I say mind of pigeon, I don't mean to sound like I'm disparaging. I'm just trying to, you know, it's, it's a metaphor, you know. It means they don't have the mind of Christ. I could say something. It's not, it's not the mind of Christ. It was Voltaire that said, uh, in the beginning God made man in his image, and ever since man has been trying to repay the favor. God made man in his image, we want to make God in our image. So if we're angry all the time or mad or disgusted or whatever, then we project those things upon God, and that is not what he looks like at all. I think that's what this one, at least one many-faceted truths of the scripture that says his face was marred more than any other man. We mar his face because he's not seen clearly. I told you this story before, I'll tell it again. I was driving home from uh, what used to be some friends of ours' house five, ten, eight years, I don't know, a long time ago. And on the way home, this person who called me and said, uh, was talking about her daughter who was, uh, um, who was a methamphetamine addict. She, she had a rough life, rough past. And I knew about it, and I had sat with her, and I would counseled her and counseled the family and did everything that I could. I mean, it was, it was bad, so much that they were pulling guns on each other and then calling me to come and defuse the situation, which I did multiple times, sometimes in the middle of the night. It was that bad. And... Uh, God, she was just crying over the phone. She said, I just don't know if she'll ever turn. And I said, well, she's just running from God. How many people have ever said that? It's not a trap. You know what the Lord said to me? No, she's not. Stop telling people that. Shocked me. I said, what do you mean? He said, people don't run from me. They run from the false image that people have painted of me. If they ever see me clearly, everyone will always run to me. And it's, uh, it changed my life. If he is ever presented as he truly is, Everybody, always, every broken person, every evil person, every backwards person, every insecure person, everybody will always run to him if he's ever presented perfectly like he really is. But unfortunately, his image from pulpits is marred more than any other man, so we don't know who he is. So we have this broken image of him, which gives us a broken image of self, and so we judge him falsely, we judge ourselves falsely, and we judge everybody and everything around us falsely, period. That's the gospel truth. And the reality is until we see him as he really is, we're not going to know who we really are. And when we don't know who we really are, then we're falsely judging our brothers and sisters from a broken perspective of who we are. I think Jesus' commandment that he gave, he said, what is the greatest commandment? The hero Israel, the Lord is one. And you will love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is likened to it. And I think this commandment always is true, even when we don't know what it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. I think everybody does. Well, if you, don't love your, if you don't love yourself, then you certainly don't know how to love your neighbor. That's the point. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. And if you see somebody that has having a problem loving their neighbor, they probably don't love themselves. Broken identity. Not fully understanding what we are called to be, what image we are called to bear. And we will always reflect the image that we worship, the image that we behold. We become like what we behold. Period. And that's why, I, that's why every week I do my best to represent what is actually the gospel. By the way, in case you didn't know, the gospel is always and only good news. If it doesn't end in good news, don't call it the gospel. Now, the devil's just going to have his way, and he's about to kill everybody, and he's going to drag it, and he's going to murder. He's gonna, he's gonna, you better get right. That doesn't sound like good news. That sounds like a horror movie. God, save me, please. That sounds like a horror movie. 
Let's, let's, the flip side of it is, God, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Jesus said, I am he that has the keys of death and of, and of hell. He said, I am he that was dead, but I'm alive, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Now, which God are you going to say? Will the real Mrs. Jesus please stand up because we're tired of the falsehoods? We don't know, we really don't know how to judge each other and we don't know how to judge situations because we've got a wonderful heart, but we don't have the mind of Christ. And the reason we don't is because we spend 18 or 16 or 12 hours a day filling it with trash and trash and trash. How many of you have done that? I've done it. I don't mind t- talking about it. Hmm. Ha, that's good. Oh, what, a, what that hussy talking about now? I can't believe he wrote that. And before you know it, you got an hour and a half that has passed, and you've wasted time filling your brain with trash that has absolutely no effect whatsoever in eternity. We've all done it. We've all, this is the first generation of people that have had information like this at your fingertips. The first generation. We are the, I think this is the greatest generation, the greatest time to be alive, and yes, you have been saved for such a time as this. But you're not doing any good if you're, if you're always putting this, the input in your brain that is not producing the fruit of the kingdom. And it's a discipline to have to turn that stuff off. I'll give you some practical things that that we do, that I try to do, and I'm not always good at it. I don't ever want to seem as though I try to elevate myself. I am not one of those, you know, wonderful preachers that glows in the dark and all the nonsense. No, I'm a human just like you're a human. I struggle like you struggle. I have thoughts like you have thoughts. I need encouragement like you need encouragement. We're all men. And if we ever get rid of the whole nasty hierarchy nonsense in the kingdom, we're going to do a whole lot better. Because every promotion in the kingdom is to servanthood. Every promotion in the kingdom. Man, the, Pauls, the apostles were, man, they were, they're just way up there. They're not way up anywhere. The apostles are the foundation. You never even, nobody's ever rode by a house and went, my God, what a beautiful foundation. I just want to be, I want to be a leader in the church. Well, you, then you probably don't need to be seen. I don't mean that to be ugly. I don't mean that to be ugly. Jesus said, let the first be last and the last be first. The apostles, though, they become the foundation. You don't see it. You celebrate what's built on top of it. But the foundation has to be good. If the foundation isn't good, the house is going to fall. That's besides the point. So it's imperative that we understand who God really is, what his true nature is, and what it is not. And if you've heard me say it, if you haven't heard me say it before, you're going to hear, hear me say it for the years to come. God is good all the time, and God is only good all the time, and God is always good all the time. Period. Thank you. That's good. You're welcome. And it is as we behold his goodness. I'm almost finished. Oh, God, it's 12.15. As we behold his glory, that we are transfigured, much like Christ was transfigured in front of Peter, James, and John. His face shone like the sun. There's no longer a need for a Moses, which was a type of the law. There's no longer a need for Elijah, which is a type of the prophets. Only Jesus was left. He is the fulfillment of everything God wanted to say. He is the Logos, the intellect, the word of God. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament scripture. You want to know who he is? You want to see him as he really is? Do you want to see him as he really is? Is because as, when you see him as he really is, then you become like him. 
And you begin to reflect his nature. Here's what he, here's what he is. He, he, he's the logos. He's the word. He's the intellect. He's the fulfillment of the Old Testament scripture. He's the rose of Sharon. You've heard it said. And the lily of the valley. He's the bright and the morning star. He is wonderful and he is counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He is the I am that I am. He's the fourth man in the middle of the furnace. My God. Woo. He's the... Uh, He's the, he's the tamer in the lion's den. He's the wind behind a shepherd's boy's stone that slew an undefeated giant. He was the cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night that led the children of Israel through the wilderness. He's the near kinsman redeemer. He's a rock and a refuge and a strong tower. He is the light of heaven and the bright and morning star. He's the answer to every question in life. That's what he is. That's truly who he is. He's the one that said, I am that I am. He's the one that said a wiser than Solomon is here. He's the one that said this is who we're talking about. This is who he actually is. He is not the false pictures that have been painted of him. He's not angry and ticked and mad and can't hardly wait. He's not the Jonathan Edwards nonsense God. That's, that is a reprehensible figure of God. It's not him at all. You touch. You're not sinners in the hands of, a, of an angry God. What about God in the hands of angry sinners? That's what we saw at the cross. Flip that paradigm. Well, but I read that. But we read the stupid book too. It should have been burned. You know what tortured my mind when I read? We're like a spider in God's eyes, hanging from a web, and beneath it is a gaping flames of fire. And He's getting angrier and angrier by the second. What kind of trash nonsense is that? It's not love. It's not His nature. It's not his nature. If it cannot be find or found in the nature of Jesus, you should not be saying about his father. He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, the Father and I are one. How can you have been with me this long and not know who the Father is? He told his Thomas. Tell me the last time he saw Jesus. You stupid sinner, I'd love to. You, you stinking little spider, I'd love to burn you up. That's not the way he talked. That's not the way that he talked. In fact, the only people that he, that he talked in any way negative to were religious hypocrites that were trying to deceive God's people. Amen? Well, as my dad used to say, it's amen or on me, but both of them would be probably appropriate. He's good all the time. He's only good all the time. Our... I could go on and on. As we behold him, we become like him. Our mind is transformed and becomes like a mirror of the presence of God. That's what Paul said. We behold in a glass darkly. A gla dark, he's talking about a mirror. We see in a mirror. As we behold the presence of God, we do it in prayer. We do it in contemplation. We do it in worship. As we fill our lives with prayer, praise, worship, and I believe contemplation. What's contemplation? Where you just sit and you allow the mind of Christ to begin to take over. I mean, have you ever done this? Have you ever, have you ever, when's the last time you prayed and say, you, you know, you said the things you want to say for 10 minutes and then shut up for 10 more to let him speak back? I know that sounds harsh. I don't mean it that way, but you wouldn't do that to people. If you did that to a whole lot of your friends, you wouldn't have friends for long. Just come up and, and talk for five minutes, and as soon as you have say everything you want to say, you walk away. Well, thanks a lot. I want to say some stuff. How many times have we, have we actually, your life should be an open dialogue with the Father. Jesus and I talk all the time. This is, this is natural. In fact, it's unnatural not to. All the time. And sometimes it ain't pretty. God's not afraid of our dirt. 
Or we, you think we're going to hide it from him? Sometimes, I talked to my brother last night who's dealing with some stuff. And I said, man, sometimes I get mad at God too. Like, I don't know what you're doing up there, but can we get it together? Because I'm human. I know, I know you need to go in the dark preacher. I am not that guy. I'm not that guy. Look at me. Do I even look like one? No. I talk to God that way and he talks to me. And sometimes he says, shut up and listen to me. And sometimes he says, you know better than that. Sometimes he doesn't say anything. Sometimes I just have to know that he's there. Sometimes by faith I have to know I'm sitting here in the presence of God. Sometimes i got to turn off all the stuff that I've been feeding my mind with, all the poison, and listen. You know what? One of the most spiritual things you can do, go find a river or creek and sit beside it and just listen to it and turn all the stupid stuff. And for God's sake, don't take a picture to share on social media. Leave your phone in the car and sit by the creek for a while. I know that sounds funny, but God, we have already programmed ourselves that every experience needs to have a picture so we can share it because we really like the euphoric thought of somebody liking what we shared. When in reality, we're missing the point of the whole thing. <clears throat> as our mind is transformed and becomes a mirror of the presence of God, it happens as we behold His presence. We do it in prayer, contemplation, and worship. As we feed our mind with the Word, then our Remember, you become like what you behold, period. Always. You're image bearers, and you're going to bear some image. It can be the image of Adam, or it can be the image of Christ, and those are really the only two. Put it this way, there's two sons in the earth, you've heard this one before, the son of God, the son of perdition. The only two sons. Only two natures, the nature of Christ, the nature of Adam. What's the nature of Adam? To be like God, i got to do something. And, oh, God, now I've done it. Now I need to hide from God. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And we do that all the time in 2022. We become afraid because we see ourselves as being without something, so we hide. We hide from God and we hide from each other. We won't open up to each other because we hide ourselves. Or we can become like Christ. And as we grow up into him in all things, as we take on his mind, as we feed ourselves with his mind, I told you I was going to give you some pragmatic ways to do this. One of the things that we do in our house is, and I've just done it, we did it for years and years with the children, is I will play what I consider to be really good praise and worship music on a loop in our house. Well, that sounds dumb. Well, try it sometime. If you think, it's, it, now, make sure that, now, I don't mean this in an ugly way, but now, make sure that it's good worshipful music. In fact, I, I could give you some. I'll give you some examples. Not here, but I'll give you some examples. Go listen to some Jonathan and Melissa Hells or some stuff. People where they where really just, it's just all about God and all about the presence. And you have your own flavor. You might like their voices or whatever, but find something. Elevation's got some good. There's some big names that have them. There's some small people that have them. Find something and just play it on repeat in your house. And watch the atmosphere of your house change. Because your mind is processing and hearing things that you may not necessarily be listening to with your ear at all times. And guess what? It's in my office, which is in the middle of my bedroom, Elizabeth's, mine and Elizabeth's bedroom. We, we share one still. And the, uh, and the children. And the reason of it is because while they're sleeping, I want that looping through their mind. Stuff like, um, um, I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. Guess what? After the song repeat, after finishing, it repeats again. And so for eight hours or for sometimes 12 hours as they're sleeping, they're hearing, I love you, Lord. For your How many people have ever done this and the next morning you, you wake up and that song is already in your brain? That's a pragmatic way to do things like this. I do it for a reason. I don't do it. And sometimes Liz is like, would you please change the song? I've heard the song 478 times. So we have to go with an album or create a playlist. So maybe do that. <laughs> but it works. Sit down and pray. 
Open up the scripture. And if you don't understand what you're reading, look, there are plenty of apps. Get the Bible app. It's an easy app. It's a free app. And it has so many different translations. If you like the King James, perfect. Go read it. Read the New Living Translation. Read the Passion Translation. Read the Message Bible. You know, read the, read the NIV. What? Read them all. Fill your mind with those things. Fill your mind with those things. We did something years ago. I, I couldn't have been 10 or 12. It was over on Rayon Street, and we had a big blanket that we put up. Back then we had Sunday school, and, and what we had to do every Sunday is we'd come in and write down the promises of God that we found in Scripture. We'd put them on that blanket, and we would repeat those promises every single week over ourselves. It's amazing. The next time that, I, that, that I, as, as I remember that we did, we wrote down the different names of Jehovah. You know, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shammah, which is, you know, the Lord our provider or the Lord our healer or the Lord or whatever. And, and we would say, he's the Lord our healer. And as you repeat that, then guess what? Your mind hears it and you're really growing up. Spend time every day in his presence. Every day. Every single day in his presence. Well, what's that look like? I don't know. What's it look like for you? I, for me? Get along, be by yourself somewhere. I can sit on the bridge across my creek or up my office or whatever and just sit. Most of the time, it's first thing in the morning for me because it's really the only time that I'll have either just to myself or myself and Elizabeth. And I'll just sit there. Sometimes it's on my rocking chair on my deck. Sometimes it's on my couch. Not necessarily with an agenda, just, okay, Father, this is your day. You're good and you're always good. And although I may be going through something or I may be struggling or circumstances may seem to be in opposition to what I want to do, I know that you're good. I have this settled. You're good. You're always good. And so I'm looking, and I will see the goodness of God, not just in the land that I'm living, but in the day. Today, I'm going to watch your goodness. I'm going to see your goodness. I'm going to look for it. And that's a pragmatic way to do it. You become like what you behold. You will. You'll bear the image of what you worship. Amen. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go there so long. Let's all stand. Scott, you want to play something on the guitar for me, will you? On that uh, acoustic guitar would be good. We become like what we behold. So it's imperative that we understand what God is, and He's good. All the time and only good. Amen. He's the fulfillment of everything God wanted to say. He's the intellect, the word of God. He's the fulfillment of the Old Testament scripture. For some of you, he's your only hope. For all of us, he's our only hope. Surely ain't going to happen in Washington, D.C. Not happen in Davos. Not any of these places. Those people don't care about you. But he does. Did you know the Bible says that the very hairs of your head are numbered? Not counted. I heard this, and I think it was Bishop Jakes that said it years ago. If they were counted then the Lord could tell you how many was on your head. But, but the fact that they're numbered, if one comes out in the comb, the Lord could say that's hair number 100,627. That's how intimately he knows you and is aware of who you are and what you need. He's so good. He loves you so much if you could just see it. God, if I could open up his heart and just let you see it. And that's what he did at Calvary. That's what he did at the cross. He opened up his heart and said, look, this was God reconciling the world on himself. I'm not what they said I was. I didn't come to beat up my son for you because, you know, I just had to have my wrath appeased. That's not what this was. This was God reconciling. This is what I'm willing to go through to have you redeemed and restored back to me. I'm willing to put myself in the hands of angry sinners. If that's what it takes to win you back to me. And that's what he did. It's exactly what he did. That's how good he is. And I know that challenges theology. That's okay. Challenge mine too until I learn, well, this is actually true. And you can learn that by spending time in His presence, spending time in His Word.
Go read the Bible. Go read the early church fathers. Go read the patristic fathers. By the way, the Holy Spirit still speaks. The Holy Spirit, speak to me. Speak to me. Help me to grow up into Christ in all things. Help me to, to put on the mind of Christ. Help me to have my mind transformed, my mind renewed. Help me not to be planting trash in my mind on a daily basis and expecting good stuff. We know this, so help us to put this to practice. Garbage in equals garbage out, but help us, Lord, to fill our minds with good things. Whatsoever things are lovely and whatsoever things are of a good report, whatsoever things are good and whatsoever things are poor, pure, think on these things. Think on these things. Dwell on this. It's good. You're good to me all the time. And if you can't think of something, then, then go, back, go back in your history and remember a time that God came through for you. And thank Him again for that. Lord, I know that you're going to come back by way of your word and by way of your goodness. I remember 13 years ago when you did what I remember when Elizabeth was going to have to have a C-section. And you said, go put your hand out there and I will open up her womb and cause him to be born. And I did and she did. I remember it. I remember when Isaac literally was rolled up and ran over by a Chevy truck and rolled up inside the, the, well, the, well, the wheel well. And no damage was done at all. I remember when he fell inside the pool that was full of uh, muck and slime underneath the pool cover. And I wasn't there. And Elizabeth, who doesn't swim well, had to go underneath and get... I remember you saving my son. I remember when Jacob was a little baby. And we took him to Davis Hospital because he couldn't hardly breathe. And the nurses there were just old and mean, and I just didn't like them. They just needed, needed Jesus and, and a bath. And they had him pinned down, and, and, they, and he couldn't breathe. And finally, something came over me, and I jerked him up and said, we're going home. And they told us if we left, not to come back. And I said, we won't need to come back. And that night, you healed him of asthma, and he's not had asthma. I remember the goodness of God. I remember it. I remember when I was in Africa and a witch had got a hold of Abby's picture and was casting spells on it. And a reprobate person called and said, I want you to know that we did this. I'm sorry they did it. Took the picture of my wife and I became angry. But you said to me, what has changed? And I said, Lord, what do you mean? You said nothing changed about Abby. The only thing you cha that changed was your knowledge. Did I not protect her? Lord, I'm thankful that you did and that you will and that you always have. Thank you for protecting my little girl when I was overseas. I remember when I was talking to Michael Jenkins on the phone and I was in India and militant militia, Muslims came up the road in Hyderabad, India to come to shoot us after us and I dropped the phone and ran as fast as I could and got into the compound and you spared my life. I remember. And I give you, so you've, you've been too good for me to think now that you're going to stop being good. You're good because it's your nature. You do things out of your nature which is good. And as I remember and put these pieces back. And as I behold your goodness, then I will begin to reflect your goodness. As I receive of your grace, then I'm able to give of your grace. As I understand that I've been forgiven of much, then I will forgive much. I'm learning that we always reflect the nature of that which we worship. If we worship politics, we'll be nothing but political. If we worship a specific political figure, we're going to be just like that political figure. But if we worship God, worth-ship, how much is He worth? If we turn our focus and our gaze towards our Heavenly Father, then we reflect His nature. That's what I pray for this church. That's what I pray for everyone that's in here. Thank you, Lord, for your people. I bless them. Thank you that they are blessed. They will remain blessed. I thank you that they will experience supernatural blessing this week in their lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you.